I think that has to do with an individual's personality and how they live their life, right? So some people who, I mean, for me, it's believing in myself. Like I've always had strong belief in myself. If someone says I can't do something, it makes me angry. And I go and do it and I prove it to them that I can. And I don't care what it is. This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, the show that will help you escape the Wall Street casino and build wealth on Main Street by investing in real estate. I'm your host, Tabor Lote, and today our guest is Farah Ali. Today we're learning about her experience being a single mother and succeeding in real estate, reaching financial independence through real estate investing. We dig into her process for getting her first deal, trials and tribulations along the way, biases that she ran into as a woman in the real estate investing space, how she dealt with those and how the rest of us, how us men in the real estate investing space can think about those things and so much more. A lot of great lessons in this one. She has a very inspiring story and she just kept going. She didn't give up and we're digging so much into that today. A lot of great lessons in this one and you're going to learn a ton. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I am a real estate investor and I focus on commercial, multifamily, and self-storage properties. If you'd like to learn more about potentially investing with us on a future deal, just go to investwithtaylor.com, fill out the form and schedule a call, and we'll look forward to speaking with you soon. If you're an Apple Podcast user and you enjoy the show, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars if you don't mind, you guys. I appreciate that so much. That helps other people learn about the show because that helps us rank higher in the Apple Podcast ecosystem. And I'm always honest with you guys, that gives me a nice little warm and fuzzy feeling because I get to see that you're engaging with the content and you're escaping the Wall Street Casino along with us. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us here every Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Right now, once again, our guest is Farah Ali. We're digging into her experience building financial independence through real estate investing as a single mom, two kids, bunch of debt, and she made it happen, and so can you. Without any further ado, here we go. Farah, thank you so much for joining us today. For our listeners out there, could you tell us a bit about yourself, your background, and your story? You have a very inspiring story and how you got into uh, real estate investing. Oh, sure. So yes, my name is Farah Ali, and born and raised in Chicago, pretty much, you know, in a middle-class family. And I ended up basically getting a separation back in 2009, and I had to figure out how to make more money because at the time I had two younger ones that I had to fully support. I knew I wasn't going to get child support or anything like that. So that's kind of, you know, kind of how I got into real estate by, you know, trying to figure out, okay, well, how do people become wealthy? I had a date, like a good career in insurance, like the the day-to-day income was fine, but it wasn't enough for me to be able to, you know, support these kids on my own. So that's kind of how I got into real estate investing. So I ended up joining a local meetup group and got, and then from there took some classes and then got my first property in 2014. So that's kind of how it all started. But just a little bit more about myself. I am a, been in the insurance industry for over 20 years in the underwriting field. And then I also currently own part of our, a nonprofit. It's called Lee One Foundation. So it's a way of investors giving back on the president of that not-for-profit. I also am a, a founder of a core organization called We Women, which is geared towards other women to get into real estate investing because me and a couple other friends who are women are like, wow, we've you know done really great with real estate investing and not a lot of women know that they can do it as well. So we kind of created that to help and inspire other women. 
Awesome. That's great. That's great. And so you got started at, at an interesting time in real estate. I mean, with the all the market tor- turmoil going on in 2009 when you had that separation up until 2014, things had started to really kind of turn around a little bit. But you had interesting circumstances getting started from a, a financial standpoint, you know, personal debt and all that kind of a thing, getting yourself started. So can we dig into that and how you got through and worked through those issues and constraints? Yeah. So let me take you back to 2009 when I actually got separated. I had to separate in a way where I couldn't let my uh, husband at the time know I was separating. So I basically just grabbed a couple of pieces of clothing and walked into a completely empty house that I had rented about five miles away, walked into with my two kids. So I'm trying to figure out, well, oh my God, like I have to furnish the home. I got to do all that. So in 2009, when that happened and I was, I was working, I was like, well, what's the quickest way in my mind, what I thought was, let me go back to school to make more money. Cause that's kind of what I was programmed. Right. And so I went just back to school first, got my undergrad degree. And then I immediately went and got my MBA because I'm like, oh, this is just going to make it even better, you know? So did that till, since, till uh, from 2009 to 2013. It took me four years to finish my undergrad and get my MBA. And I did it all while working full, full time and as a single mom of two kids with sole, you know, pretty much custody. So then... In 2013, when I was really excited that I graduated and got my MBA, I'm like, hey, you know, I told my boss, I'm all excited and they're all happy for me. And they gave me a raise, but it was like 15% or so. And although I was very appreciative of it, when the paycheck came and all the taxes get cut, I was like, this is what I had, you know, visioned in my mind. So I'm like, this is not the kind of money I'm looking for. I'm like, so what do I do now? That's when I kind of got into real estate. So I actually jumped into real estate in 2014 rather than 2009, I was just building myself up thinking that, okay, well, these are alternate ways that I can make money. But yeah, I had um, $80,000 in debt going to school. I had some good debt on my credit card from money that my ex had borrowed for business. So in massive debt, no savings at all. And I decided to just, you know, join real estate. Like, but it was nice because the mentor that I met, he all he talked about is, well, it doesn't matter what your financial situation is, you can get into real estate investing. And that's what caught my attention because I always thought that you needed 20% down in order to invest in real estate. And when they're like, no, you don't really need any money down, you know, I'm like, oh, wow, this sounds interesting. And you know what? He was absolutely right. Wow. So you met a mentor that helped you learn the business and work through some of those, I don't want to say mental hurdles, but maybe strategic and, and knowledge-based hurdles to know, okay, how do you get the money? How do you set up deals where you don't need all the money? But you know, from a from a more strategic standpoint, how did you keep you know pushing forward and not just say, ah, well, you know, I can't do it. Maybe this guy is full of crap or, you know, was it a, a matter of necessity? Hey, I absolutely need to do this. I have an absolute burning desire or what, what like deeper down, you know, kept you going? Well, I think one of the reasons was this guy that I, the mentor was very genuine. He had a, held a seminar and, he, you know, he just knew what he was talking about. So my gut was one. The other was that these, when I actually joined the classes, they're not cheap, you know, they're, oh, yeah. they're like double figures. So I had to spend upwards of $20,000 just to get into this program, money that I didn't have. So I actually had a 0% credit card for 18 months that had come in like the week of 
And I was like, okay, I'm put two together, two and two together. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. But if I do this, I have to figure out how to pay this money back within 18 months because I don't want any more debt, right? Than what I have, especially paying interest on it. So it was a risk that I took and me knowing myself, like I know me as a person where if I put myself under pressure, I perform much better under pressure than not in pressure. Because then when I'm not under pressure, I'm like more relaxed. But when I'm under pressure, I'm like, my mindset is like, I don't care what happens, I'm going to make this work. And so within the first month of me being in that class, I don't know if you wanted to call it beginner's luck or whatever, but I got my first property. Nice. And when I got my first property, I had somebody, a private money lender who actually in, lent me 100%. The deal was so good that they lent me 100% of purchase and 100% of rehab. I refinanced it, paid them all back. I actually had money I could have taken out because the deal was so good because there was so much equity after I was done rehabbing it. Um, but I just kept it in there because the whole point is to have more cash flow, right? So I net about $500 a month on that in cash flow. I'm sure today it's worth a lot more. But And then when I actually did that, I was like, oh my God, this really works. Now all I have to do is duplicate the system over and over and over again. And that's kind of, I think, A, putting myself in in high pressure situation and actually watching my own experience and seeing that it works kind of helped me to keep moving forward. Awesome. That's great. So you had a, a private lender on that first deal loan you all the money for, which is awesome. A lot of folks don't know that that's possible. That's awesome. How did you build and foster that relationship before you had a deal? Or did you at all? I don't know. What'd you do? Uh, with the private money lender? Yeah. So- Luckily, in that program, they were already a part of that program. So my mentor had quickly looked at property and said, this is an amazing deal, hooked me up with that private money lender saying, hey, this is going to be a, a low risk for you. Nice brick home in the suburb of Chicago. You can't go wrong with it. Kind of explained my situation where, you know, I didn't, I had a great job. I'm responsible and based off of that, even though I, they knew I didn't really have any savings or any money, just based on the property and my credibility as a person from what they saw in that month and and my my W-2 job that I've had for you know 15 years at the time. So when you're working at somewhere for 15 years, stability, right? Like that's what people think, like somebody who's stable. So based off of that is when is why. And then from there, I just fostered that relationship, just you know, continue getting money from them private money lender. And, you know, over time I've introduced nine or 12 other private money lenders as I'm doing eight or nine, 10 deals at a time. So it's just a matter of figuring it out. And I guess being at the right place at the right time or having the right resources around you. That's awesome. That's great. I think a lot of new investors are afraid to have that conversation with private money lenders before they have a deal, because oh, what am I going to talk to this person about? But you focus on presenting yourself and your kind of personal background as your your demonstration that you were really committed you were going to find a, a deal that would work for them. Yeah, I had to because what am I going to say? Oh, give me a loan. I have no experience, right? So <laughs> like now I have to solve my strengths. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So moving forward after that first deal, how did you keep that snowball going? Because that's, a, that's something where a lot of newer investors kind of struggle. Maybe they get that first deal and they think the next one's just going to come right around the corner. And I don't know, they give up, something happens. They just don't get past that first one and hit that that scale. Yeah. So I'm going to be very transparent and honest with you that my second deal didn't happen until nine months later. And so that's why I think maybe the first one was beginner's luck or whatever it is. But the second one, 
was a lot harder because, I mean, not that I was doing any less work. I would go put contract, I mean, put offers and offers. But my situation was that I had to make sure that the deal was so good that I wasn't going to have any money invested in the deal when I refied it. So like if I even knew I was going to have three, $4,000 possibly invested in that deal because maybe the rehab might have gone a little bit over or maybe the appraisal money came in a little, you know, lower than expected. Like I had to keep all those pieces in mind. So if I knew I was going to put myself at that risk, like where am I going to get $4,000 from, you know, to to bring to closing like and i'm this type of person i'm not i'm not the type of person that's going to go and ask people hey can i borrow money for whatever i just i'm just not that that person at all so i had to pass up so many good deal during that nine month period just because of my financial situation nobody else's fault i put myself in that situation so um you know it, it was what it was but then i got another then finally nine months later i got a property that it was on a, a website called hubsu on online auction and kept bidding and, and it would come back again that no one won. And then after trying like three times, I finally got it. It was in the same exact suburb that I had bought my first property and I got it for like 50,000. Today it's worth 200,000. Nice. Uh, so I bought it for 50,000 and put like 30, 30, 35 into it, appraised for 145 at the time and pulled my money out. And then, you know, after that, I think during that nine months, I got so good at looking for deals that, that after that, then it just kept going because now I have a little bit of cash flow from both of the properties. So I could have a thousand dollars or 2000 or whatever invested in the deal. So as I kept doing more deals, I had more reserves to play with. And you know, one thing that I probably sh maybe should have done that I didn't do early on was maybe a flip to have some capital, but at the end of the day, it, you know, it's okay because I made up for it in the coming years. Well, you stayed focused, and I think Last. for new investors, staying focused is really difficult. And and shiny object syndrome does uh, does hamper a lot of newer investors. Now, your personal situation that led you into real estate investing is very unique. And you know, something you go to any real estate investing event, it's a lot of dudes. Ninety five yeah. out of a hundred <laughs> will be met at these events, and. It is what it is, right? But yeah. there, folks are you know trying to change that, and we want to be you know supportive of those efforts and everything. So, what is your you know perspective on that? Being your experience, being a woman, a single mother in these rooms with you know probably ninety five out of hundred people being you know men. Yeah. So here in the Chicago market, that's slowly been changing, where there's a lot more women investors. But yeah, I think I was always, I guess. Like when I first started, I felt like I was overlooked for a lot of things, like just because I was female and go, you know, I'm not going to talk to her about investing because she probably has no idea. You know, a lot of people would think I was an agent, oh, yeah. you know, they would be like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a real estate investor. It's like they wouldn't hear the word investor. They would hear real estate <laughs> and like, oh, so you sell homes. I'm like, no, 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 I don't sell homes. I'm not an agent. I'm an investor. And you could see people just like, like I could see them like, like investor, like, yeah, I'm an investor. You know, but like 90% of the people, when I say I'm doing real estate investing, they wouldn't hear the investing part. They would just assume when I was an agent because there's a ton of women agents out there, right? Because that's, you know, there's more, I think, women agents than there are male. So I think the bridge automatically goes there. But even like what at first dealing with contractors and other trades, you know, just you could tell that people were uncomfortable you know, uncomfortable having that conversation because they thought I didn't, I didn't know. And then what I would do is just come at it with, with the knowledge that I had. And they would see that, like, be surprised. And then 
you know. So then they were more they're like, oh wow, you know. Now I have people calling me like boss, and you know, like you know, they're a lot, they're they respect me a lot more just because you know they they see all the houses that I'm doing. But yeah, it wasn't too bad. But it definitely, definitely, I felt like people would get, gravitate more towards the men than they would women because they just didn't think that you know women were investing. So I, I guess I I wonder what I wonder two things, two kind of directions about this is for. The rest of us who are, well, for, for men, basically, who are already investors, I hate to turn this into some kind of struggle session, but, you know, what can we do different, differently? What can we think about to try to make this space, you know, more open? You mentioned about not basically not assuming that women are agents. So that's, that's, you know, probably a good thing to think about. But anything other, anything else that, that comes to mind, maybe biases that you ran up against or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I think when also, you know, women can't do no construction. They, they can learn it just as well as men can. I think that the, the one thing that men can probably do more and introduce real estate to their wives, daughters, sisters, mothers, you know, like that, that there's women killing it in this industry that introduce it to them too and be supportive if they want to do something like that you know when we started the women's group actually women i think in general are more creative so like you know we you know a lot of the seminars i went to they have a process they have a system when we do like workshops for women when we started the we win we do things differently like we for example you know we would do like a deal or no deal type of game show which has to do with real estate so it's kind of like you're learning People are going through their deals and you say it's a deal or an old deal, but it's fun, right? So we do things a little bit differently. So what started happening was a lot of the men were like, hey, we want to come to these meetings because <laughs> they would see it on Facebook or whatever. And we're like, okay. And then like the women, like, can I bring my husband? Can I bring my brother? And that kind of stuff. And, you know, we can't say no. We can't do real estate without them. You know, we need the men too. So we, even though it's like a woman focused group, we started getting making all getting having all the men and come in there. And now we have equal men and women that attend our events, even though it's a women's group. But you know, we're all about being inclusive. Well, that's that's good. I mean, it, it's a good thing that those things are, are popping up. And I mean, I've had uh, you know women business partners in the past on deals, and you know they've been great. I've you know my personal experience working with women in real estate has been a hundred percent you know positive. I, I just wonder. What can we do to, you know, just be supportive? More maybe, yeah, just be, be more supportive. Introduce them to that this is possible for them to. Yeah, it yeah. goes a long way. So what I don't want to, I wonder about your your mindset as you went through this process and you know worked through these things. Whether it's contractors who, you know, weren't treating you the way you you know deserve to be treated or not politely or whatever how did you stick to it and and not not give up because that nine month period between your first deal and your second deal a lot of people give up in that nine month period yeah. that's another reason people stop how did you keep you know your mind in the right place to keep making offers and keep working on it till you pushed through it i think that has to do with an individual's personality and how they live their life right so some people who I mean, for me, it's believing in myself. Like I've always had strong belief in myself. If someone says I can't do something, it makes me angry. And I go and do it and I prove it to them that I can. And I don't care what it is, you know. So I remember at one point when I was married, my ex was like, well, I make a lot more money than you, you know. And at that time, I was working a $12 an hour job. Um, I just had a child, right? So and and I had to I did I did it just to get some income to help the household, right? But like he, make him saying that really made me upset, you know, and that day 
in my mind, I'm like, well, one day I'm going to be making more than you. So like, it's, it's one of those things, right? So I have a strong belief in myself. So during those nine months, like I never gave up. I continued to believe like, okay, well, you know, maybe I need to tweak it. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to find other ways of making some money so that I have a little bit of reserves. Right. So I would try different things until, until I made it, I guess. So I'm not one to give actually. And you know, if I, if I let myself down, like I can't live with it. And well, you so had I that. Think it's, yeah. I think it's just a personality thing and it's something, something that can be developed over time with the proper meant coaching. So you had that, you had that yeah. commitment in you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always had that. I hated it when people would tell me I can't do something. I just couldn't stand it. <laughs> so you've written a book. Do you mind uh, digging into it? Tell us about the, the book that you wrote. Yeah. So, so I wrote a book. It's called Diaries of a Female Real Estate Investor. I actually have it right here. It's on Amazon and it basically talks about my journey, how I got into real estate. And then also has case studies of the actual properties that I've done. I think I've like five in there where I talk about, here's what I've purchased it for. Here's what it rehabbed for. Here's what it appraised for. Here's what it rents for, you know, all of that in there so that people can understand the whole, you know, process of the buy, you know, rehabbing, renting, all that, the Burr method, I guess, um, what they call it now. And then that it's possible and that everything that it's been allowed, allowed me to do, you know, I've been able to... Now, when I wrote the book in 2020 early, I had not retired completely from my corporate, but as of today, I have completely retired from a corporate. Nice. So I have enough passive income, but even all the opportunities, you know, like one of the things that I discovered while doing real estate, it's not about accumulating properties, right? There are so many other benefits that came from putting myself in this position today. One is that I think that's really important is my kids, my kids saw me grow through this entire process. Like for them to witness, oh my God, mom had to take care of us and go to school and work full time and take, you know, and then go to her, get her MBA. And then now going to real estate and now I'm surrounding myself with all these multi-million dollar investors and bringing them into these meetings and having them exposed, having them exposed to this. Like, you know, I, I used to, like it would scare me. I'm like, when the kids get to the point where they're taller than me, which they are today, I'm like, oh my God, are they going to, you know, still respect me because they know they're stronger than me. You know, I always had that in my mind. I have two boys. So, I mean, today they're 20 and 22, but you know, but I think that them seeing my growth and what I'm a part of actually inspired them as well. And, you know, they both are into real estate. They have property of their own. You know, my older one's an entrepreneur, younger one is going to college and very hard worker. So I think that, that was like the number one. The other is I've been able to inspire a lot of people to get into real estate, like people. And after, this is where this book sounds from, because people would come to me and be like, how did you do it? Working full time. How did you do it with the kids? You know, being a single mother, how did you do it with no money? And I would give them like, a five minute answer because I didn't have time to explain, you know, my whole life story to them. But I'm like, okay, I'm gonna put this whole thing in a book. And then <laughs> if anybody asks me, I'm like, here, here, this book will do justice to the to the answer, you know. So that's kind of reason what inspired me to do it. But you know, knowing that I have other people who have done well in real estate because they heard my story, that's what's come out of it. It's actually gotten me to I open up more. If you knew me like 10, 15 years ago, Super quiet, wouldn't talk. I mean, people would ask my mom, does your 
does your daughter even they thought it was mute like i wouldn't even talk and it wasn't bad it was just i was the type of person that wanted to take everything in and i always felt like people didn't have care about what i had to say so i just kept my mouth shut you know and just was an observer more but today it's very different now it's like you know let me share what i know so that i can help others um, and then being in being in, in a position where i can open my own non-for-profit and help other people in the different communities who need help so there's been so many opportunities that have opened up and it's just like i said it's not about the money it's about everything else that's more enjoyable for me love that very powerful 